0: Hey, this is Vanessa Sunshine. Hi, this is Alicia. Hi, I'm Georgia Love. I'm
1: Osha Ginsburg. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast.
0: What do you do with an arts degree? I'm still not sure I know. I skip three years worth of lectures just to binge watch your full shows. There must be some scholarship for accruing worthless knowledge It's my only talent, honey That are losing money Let your excess hex debts rest And then just join us while we start On our bachelor Bachelor
1: Welcome back to the Bachelor of Hearts podcast, the Bachelor Nation podcast that asks the question, if Ms. Tony Braxton can't bring us all together in the name of exuberant song, who on earth can? I don't know. My name is Max Quinn. He is Xavier Noon and Xavier, hi.
0: Hello, Maxwell. And if it's, I mean, it's not going to be Andy Grammar, is it? Really?
1: <laughs> what do
0: we think about? What do we think about Grammar? Can we have a Grammar check?
1: Uh, Yeah, we will have a grammar check uh, a little bit later in the episode, but before we get there, making her return to the podcast after a two and a half year absence, she is one of our favorite songwriters, one of our favorite friends. Eilish Gilligan is here.
2: Hello, I'm so happy to be here.
0: Gil. I can't believe that it's been like nearly three years since we had, I feel like you are so entrenched in the DNA of this podcast and everything that it has become.
2: Oh, stop. Yeah, well, we were all children, and now we're grown-ups, so, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and for the listeners, let's just recap. Since we last spoke uh, for you, a bunch of tours, songs all over the radio, playlists, uh, fantastic new Drag Race podcast that you should check out if you like this pop- podcast called Barbara Ploys.
2: <laughs> Perfect Is pronunciation. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Yep. Yes, very good. An incredible uh, podcast. And- uh, <laughs> oh, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank and
1: you. a birthday yesterday.
2: Yes, I had one time's birthday yesterday, one time's (laughs) isolation birthday, and it was really fun.
1: Aren't they fun? So I had the same experience maybe a month ago. It was great. We had, uh, my friend Callan came over and sat in the front yard, and we sat a metre and a half from each other and had a beer. Yes. Which was really nice. Beautiful. And then other than that, me and Dan just hung at home, and it was lovely.
2: Yeah, it's so good, because people, like your friends, and like, I don't mean to be like George from Seinfeld when he's like pity is underrated but like <laughs> everyone kind of feels a bit sorry for you because you're having your birthday in isolation so everyone's like extra nice
1: everyone so, goes out of their way
2: yeah <laughs> it's really and good when your birthday
0: is stressful you have to like you have to either do something or think about doing something or you know like it creates this whole like what's gonna you know like even if you don't care about your birthday if you don't celebrate it it still feels like it's hanging over you whereas in this situation yeah. all of that's taken away from you oh totally i just like
2: (laughs) sat at home all day and just like watched drag race and was just like i think this is the best way to spend my birthday and no one can tell me otherwise because they're not allowed in my house (laughs) (laughs) so fuck off
1: (laughs) so many huge highlights for you eilish and now the highlight of all highlights bachelor (laughs) presents listen to your heart episode four yes now, are you uh as enamored with this insane television outing as we are here on the BOH pod?
2: I am fucking obsessed with this show. <laughs> I am obsessed with this show. Um
1: okay, so, so I was uh, surprised to find out that you had watched all four episodes.
2: Yeah. Uh, like <laughs> she does
1: that research. <laughs> what is it that um that has fueled your obsession?
2: Well, the first two episodes, I kind of like live um, messaged Xavier as I was watching them. And I think the turning point for me was in episode two when um, those two people that I can't remember the names of, the girl from Provo, who I deeply assume is Mormon, um, and oh, her partner. Oh, yeah, yeah, Brian Chris. Yes, Brian Chris. Mm-hmm. When they went to Guitar Center mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes. like live wrote a song <laughs> that. Was the moment where I was just like, this is the most beautiful piece of, like, pop culture performance art that I've ever consumed in my entire life.
1: <laughs> right. Because it's so uncomfortable. I feel like this oh. is, like, the um the pivot point for this show. And it was going to go one of two ways. And it mm-hmm. just, like, it was beautiful and uncomfortable and weird. And I loved it.
2: I totally agree. I totally crazy thing
0: about that song is like you're saying it's this brilliant piece of pop culture like performance art, it's actually going to be on Lady Gaga's new
1: album.
2: Oh no. (laughs) Don't (laughs) joke about that.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah, like as far as music on TV goes, this show has been pretty good, I think. Like, even to the point where I have been introduced to the music of Marin Morris. And now I'm hooked. I think she's amazing.
2: Yeah, she's mm. the best. Plus, we've also
1: heard people on this show perform their own original music, um, and, and pretty good, pretty good original music sometimes <sighs> as well. You know, um, we'll get to Sheridan's yeah. song later <laughs> in this episode.
0: We have to, <laughs> have to do. look at that a little closely. I right?
1: I, look, all I'm saying is that not every song can be hot touched by Michael Todd. <laughs> <I'm> only. <laughs> <laughs> and so we now arrive at episode four, and. I think that we should dive right in because Chris Harrison is here at the mansion. We're expecting him to hand out these date cards, songs to practice. But au contraire, mon frères, your expectations are about to be challenged. And firstly, just I, I want to take a quick moment for this show, which I need to remind you is a Bachelor franchise show. Actually trying to switch it up.
0: Well, I mean, okay, but I mean, this is this is some pretty classic, in my opinion, some pretty classic bachelor shenanigans. In that we are given a switch up, a switch 'em up sort of situation that is really very focused on just one couple. Uh, yes, there is one exact storyline that they would like to address here uh, and bring out into its most dramatic uh, form, and that is exactly what happens.
1: Yeah. So what happens is that instead of handing out songs to practice, the producers of the show full on intervene in the discourse, and they're like, you know what? Established couples, you're going to go on dates with other people because we need to find a way to set up this storyline between Brandon and Julia. And so Mm. they're like, fuck it.
2: But I think they also tried... They did like a last-ditch attempt to try and break up um, the girl who cries all the time with Sean Mendes. <laughs> oh, no, to yes. put her with Sean Mendes. Yes. Yeah. So,
1: um, mm. uh, Jamie and Ryan. That's uh, their names. That's right. So, there uh, is an attempted reconciliation uh, between that couple later on. And I want to get to their date in, in just a minute. Um, but to set the scene for you, to, to, to lay out the stakes, Brandon and Julia... Uh, sort of like this on-again, off-again couple in the house. Julia's 27. She loves Brandon, 34. He's from Kentucky. He's got the little uh, tuft of spiky hair. Uh, but up until this point, Brandon has been with Savannah, who is a Wild at Heart yoga teacher. Now, Julia has been stringing along this um, beard with legs called Sheridan for the entire season. <laughs> um And she has been trying to destroy the Brandon-Savannah dynamic the entire time. And Zave, it's almost as if Brandon and Savannah's rootsy acoustic cover of I Want You to Want Me by Cheap Trick last week wasn't a dynamic destroyer in and of itself.
0: Yeah, I don't know how that didn't, uh, you know, the wedding bells were ringing at the end of that song, but apparently, (laughs) yeah.
1: So yeah, the producers have basically manufactured a way to get Brandon away from Savannah and him together with Julia on this date but of course they can't be the only couple that is splitting up and so right. as we heard they're like we're
0: quote-unquote arbitrarily going to rearrange the cast into some new couples we're putting everyone to the ultimate test except for like two or three of the couples which aren't on this date for some reason and we really just had to have a few to disguise the fact that there's only one we're really interested in
1: <laughs> right. So what happens is that we pair up Jamie and Ryan, formerly of Jamie and Trevor and Ryan and Natasha, and we send mm-hmm. them on a date as well as Rudy and Chris, formerly of Rudy and Matt and Bree and Chris. I'm lost.
2: Yeah, that one was weird. It was so
1: weird. I think that we should maybe... Let's let's get to that one first. Um, I just
0: love the i just want to highlight like the difference in scale of these dates like if it weren't obvious enough just from the pairing that there is only one that we're focused on it's also like one of them is like they eat cheese on a picnic rug somewhere that is like within probably a hundred meters of the rest of the house uh one of them is like in a hot tub which is probably also at the Bachelor mansion. And then the other one, they, like, go to a place and things happen and they meet a man and all that sort of stuff. We'll
1: talk about it. But,
0: like, <laughs> <laughs> it couldn't be clearer.
1: So, yeah, like, this is one of the cheapest dates in Bachelor history. But I have to say, I'm a huge proponent of the cheap date. I don't know I don't know where you guys land on this. But for me, like, I, I think that um, there is definitely something to be gained, especially with good TV personalities, by putting them in a situation and saying, make something
2: i totally agree i think the funniest part about um the rudy date was when she was like because it was like literally 50 meters away from the actual mansion they were just like <laughs> oh just like go over there for 20 minutes and just like have a date <laughs> uh-huh. in quotation yeah. marks and she was like get me those binoculars i want to see what matt's doing is he shirtless <laughs> good
0: <laughs> and this is i think this is the moment where they film the bit that they tack on at the end of the episode where she's trying to give an interview similar to how she's been trying to have a conversation with Chris who like is perfectly nice and totally not interested there's no stakes at all like he couldn't be more besotted with uh, um uh what's her name Bree is her name with Bree <laughs> but like you know there's no danger of the two of them hooking up and she's just kind of like trying to get through it without noticing her hot beard with legs uh, Who is doing <laughs> some exercises With his shirt off It's wonderful
1: It's really really fun um, And you know like it speaks to I think there's something really human about it as well You know like let's uh, if, if we're in the context of this show Let's get a bottle of wine And sit in a park And maybe I'll bring my acoustic guitar And a fedora And sing you some Jason Mraz covers <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: It kind of makes me wonder what would have happened if they'd put Julia and Brandon or Brendan or whatever his name is on that date instead of their like fancy date. You mm.
1: know? Right. Right. If we send them on uh, a, a date where they actually have the chance to talk about what their relationship might look like rather than putting them in a situation where they meet a producer and write a song and stuff. Mm. Mm. So we establish essentially nothing on this date and we move on to Jamie and Ryan. So you might remember there was a connection here in episode one They were the first two to enter the mansion. They went on a date to Capitol Records to cover the John Mayer song Gravity uh, with John Mayer's producer and touring guitarist from 2001. Big deal. But (laughs) on this date. Oh, Michael Chavez. Can you believe it? Uh, Yeah, look, despite the lack of gravity on this date, we really see Jamie and Ryan coming back down to Earth. Oh, my God.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, they just like sit there and they talk about their other relationships and they're like, I'm so happy that I'm in another relationship and then I get to be friends with you. And like, okay, great.
1: Yeah. Like literally we see 60 seconds of this date. uh, It's only lip service. We see Jamie and Ryan uh, wishing each other all the very best and then encouraging (laughs) their listeners to join the BOH Osh posting group on Facebook. It's so (laughs) weird.
2: Well, they're not wrong. It's a great group. (laughs) That was really unexpected when they said that. I wasn't expecting that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And
1: do you know what? About time. (laughs) Yeah. We had to wait four episodes for that.
0: I paid big money for them to say that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So nothing there. This brings us to Brandon and Julia, the electric epicenter of drama for this episode, and they're sent on a date to the Roxy in LA, an iconic venue where they will work with Joel Krauss, who is a singer with some pretty good, if sporadic, credits. Right. He has two credits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dave, what did you learn about him?
0: Well, yeah. I, so I, they, they drop these two names and they're like, so he opened for Taylor Swift on the Red Tour. And I'm like, holy shit, how have I not heard of this guy? And then they're like, he also did a song with Ed Sheeran. And I'm like, Jesus, this is like one of the great pop names of our generation. whatever. (laughs) And I looked at his website and they were like, yes, he did do those two things. And he'll get to something else sometime
2: soon. (laughs) What was the song with Ed Sheeran?
1: So it's a song that he released under his own name. um, And Ed Sheeran was a co-writer on it. So it wasn't an Ed song, Uh... it was a hymn song. I see. Um, yeah, it was one of the um, songs that Ed didn't choose that I think that this, this guy then got to cut. <laughs> um, I, I, but you did you did miss one, Zave, and um, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that he got his first songwriting cut last year on a track that appeared on a Hootie and the Blowfish release. No way! Whoa.
0: All
1: right, well, I have underestimated this man. He is truly <laughs> up there with the yeah. greats.
2: How did he get the opening slot for the Red Tour?
1: I don't know. What's with I that? mean, like... You think about people who have opened for Taylor Swift, at least um, overseas and in this country. Uh, Vance Joy, Guy Sebastian, um, do they like established names? The Red yeah. Tour at that point, Taylor's arguably the biggest artist in the world, and he did it for two months. It's a pretty good get.
2: That's crazy. Yeah, it could have been like a Vance Joy situation where he had a song that Taylor just really liked and was just like, "Hey, mm. you want to come mm. with me? Let's go." Yeah.
0: That or somewhere between the Edge here and Taylor Swift, like because they're kind of real life friends and that's kind of what has led to their collaborations and that kind of thing. So maybe true. he Ooh. just like met the two of them at a party or like, you know, some kind of LA connection happened. I don't know.
1: Sure. So this is not so much a co writing session as it is Brandon and Julia sitting together, uh, working on a song, and this man Joel is kind of presented as like Uh, ancillary and superfluous and very much did not post about this yes he absolutely didn't post about it on instagram
0: (laughs) no of course but he like he shows up he's got a guitar which he does not touch even one time which we've seen is a, a really successful move in this competition from last week i
1: guess right Right, we saw Trevor not touch his guitar.
0: Right, he sits down and he goes like, well, you guys, uh, I feel like you all seem to have this vibe and connection, so it'd be cool to see what you guys put d- down together. I'm going to let you guys do it. And then he leaves he just pieces <laughs> out.
2: <laughs> the best part was when he came back and they were singing their freaky song and he was like standing in the audience like, yeah, cool. <laughs> <Why then? laughs> imagine, like,
1: imagine getting that pitch to you being like, you will be a prop for these two people. You will encourage them to write a song. And then after that, you will be an audience of one to these mm. people performing their freaky song to you. Amazing. And you're not going to be one
0: of the actual judges that we have on the show. Like you shouldn't really give them any actual feedback. We just want you to give like a reaction shot, essentially. <laughs> he does like a double take.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: Um, as they're writing this song together uh, we see Brandon counting the syllables of the words honesty and clarity on his fingers because he's unable to conceive of how many uh, and like yeah I don't know they play the song it sounds like pretty average what do we think
2: honesty for me Need to find a way
1: for me to get some peace, clarity,
0: mystery.
1: The only way to get there is through you yeah. me. I'm leaving gold, so I'm not scared no more.
2: Say, I'm too old. Staying it's not that. Like
1: I didn't think that it was uh, a particularly good song. I don't. I mean, I know that we are all involved in some way in um, offering professional uh, critique of music. Uh, however, you know, I don't. I don't want to shit all over someone's someone's creative output. But this did not um, inspire me in uh, in any real real way. Um, the main thing that stuck out to me though about this songwriting session is the distinct lack of rhymezone.com.
2: yeah like a staple in any songwriting session right that you know
0: yeah let's not pretend that's not like the main thing that anyone does to write a song
2: (laughs) hey i think i would have had way more more respect for brandon if he'd gotten his iphone out and been like okay i need to search near rhymes for honesty and clarity Yep, that would have been mm. way mm. more songwriter to me if he'd done that.
1: Me too. Yep, absolutely sure. that. Like, I think that um, if you're not writing songs with uh, RhymeZone and Thesaurus.com open <laughs> as tabs on your computer, what the fuck are you doing? I think it was
0: downright dirty of Joel Krause to hide that industry secret from them. <laughs> <laughs> He's clearly got more experience from than them, so you know, where is the where's the help?
1: Right so uh meanwhile we see sheridan back at the mansion writing an original song about julia so i want to start by saying he has not been asked to do this um he is just listening to his heart uh and really ramping his way up into having a second original song broadcast onto national tv through the vessel that is this show
2: The thing that I really like about this show um, is how they've gotten away with, like, adding, like, employing someone to, like, put MIDI strings onto this show because they've just had all of the contestants writing their own songs to soundtrack the show. It's remarkable. 100%. Yeah, it's
0: very economical uh, as far as, because reality TV does not strictly need to have a particularly big budget in the first place, but they're like, here's another expense we could chop out.
1: <laughs>
2: like, who has the rights to um, express yourself or whatever, at my expense or whatever your song was called? Who has the rights to that song? Does he have the rights to that know. song? I
1: don't know. I don't know. Does Chris Harrison have points? I assume he does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a
0: huge <laughs> thing and like, you know, it could lead to really big things for that song as well. Yeah. Uh, so here's,
1: <laughs> here's my take on this song. I'm I'm very happy to be wrong about this. I kind of think um Sheridan has um chords and melody chops, um but might post on like red pill Reddit. Oh mm. yeah,
2: 100%. I was like, "Oh, I feel really sorry for Sheridan. He seems like a sweet kind of guy and he's getting a bit like pushed around here but as soon as he was like in confessional i think he said something like oh well you know they never go for nice guys like me i was (laughs) like okay see ya like
0: (laughs) (laughs) totally yeah he begins this nice guy narrative which really paints the uh everything that's about to come from him i i don't know exactly i'm not really up on my slang i don't know exactly what a simp is but i feel like maybe that's exactly what his situation is here like just a little too besotted and uh you know
1: he's I think he's all more of
2: a nice guy, yeah. yeah yeah
1: i feel I feel like that way too, Eilish, like he's sort of got this um very um sort of like uh if you do the right thing, then you deserve x or yes. y, you yeah, know, um, which has this uh this undercurrent of like um Julia is not a prize to be won.
2: Yeah, exactly. Or you can't like put like kindness coins into her and have like love fall out. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Um all you can do is um just just keep putting the kindness coins in and, and
2: expect nothing.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's kind of a shame because I don't feel like he necessarily handles this next situation all that badly. Like, in terms of how he talks to Julia and how Julia is talking to him, um, Julia, like, pulls Sheridan away for a quick chat and she's like, uh, I, she's whispering, (laughs) which is insane. She's like, I just was able to figure out what I needed to know. I just feel like I don't think I can do this with you. And Sheridan's like, I, what can't you do? Like, he's, I don't know. He's just trying to get her to kind of say it straight, uh, and she reacts really badly. She's like, why are you being so mean? And I didn't necessarily think he's being all that
2: mean. Yeah, I didn't like when she was like, why are you being so mean to me? And mm. it was just kind of like, well, he's not being mean. He's just mm. like trying to grapple with some information that he doesn't like hearing.
0: He gets up to leave and then she's like, why are you leaving? And he's like, well, mm. what, what else do you want me to do right now? And then she's like, "Why are you laughing?" And then he's like, "I'm well." Then this is the beginning of the end because he's like, "I'm laughing so I don't cry," which is too schlocky for words. That's simpy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the thing with Julia is that it sort of feels like it's it's one of two things where um, there is one hundred percent logic and rationale for her to be pursuant of the relationship that she wants to be in, and that's. Fine, But it's either that Julia has this solipsism thing where her she thinks that her actions don't have consequences or that the only person who is affected in this in any meaningful way is herself, or she sees it and she's ignoring it and she's trying to find a way for her actions not to be her fault. Hmm. You know? And, like, I feel yeah. like um, if that feels vivid and relatable to you in your current circumstances, you're in the wrong relationship.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. yeah
2: they play this like
0: tear jerking montage set to the bones duet that they did together, uh, which, you know, and he's like narrating, like I put myself out there. I hoped it was enough to win her over, but it wasn't. I think there must be something wrong with me. And like, you know, like I will remember him fairly well in terms of just him being one of the more like emotionally open type of guys that was there. Um, yeah, but he does really kind of leave a bit of a sour taste in your mouth with the like nice guy versus asshole politics. Um, that he is really furthering during this moment.
2: It's hard because like I would have felt sorry for him. I don't feel sorry for him in this point in time just because of the energy that he's giving off of like, well, I was nice to her and she Mm. was a bitch. (laughs) Like, it's just Mm. like, you know, I just don't, I have no capacity for sympathy towards people who are like that, which is unfortunate because I do think he kind of got played a little bit. Right.
1: And that's the thing where you can make the argument that Sheridan needed to value himself more throughout this process. But the rhetoric that he's putting forth seems to suggest that he does value himself highly, but he doesn't value her very much. You know, he didn't learn the
0: right lessons from this experience.
1: Right. So he calls it and he leaves the house. And then I want to just cherry pick another situation of calling it here, because what we see next is Brandon calling Savannah sweetheart. Oh, about kill me 19 oh, times Christ. in a row <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ
2: that made me like physically ill that yeah. was so bad
1: yeah I like I know that water boils at 100 degrees Celsius but I did not know that this was what it was going to take to make make my very own blood boil <laughs>
0: <laughs> your blood boils at 100 Brandons Brandon's Celsius 100 degrees Brandon grade. I don't know what a Kelvin is, but imagine it was Brandon. I don't know.
1: (laughs) So the distinction that I want to draw here is that we look at Julia and kind of think like, okay, she only sees herself and how she feels in this. Um, Whereas with Brandon, the reality seems to be that he knows what's up and he doesn't give a shit.
2: Yeah. Well, (sighs) the thing with Julia is like I kind of feel for her because I... I can understand her situation with... Jul- with Julian... With Sheridan... In that she obviously doesn't want to be with this person... Even though he's nice to her... Like she mm-hmm. doesn't have the spark... That's mm. totally fine... No worries... Um, but... The, the unfortunate thing is that she feels a spark with... Brendan... Like the literal... Human version of like a cardboard Jesus. box...
1: <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what is it with Brandon, Can I ask? Because... Uh, there are three different women on this show who have fallen all over themselves to try to get with him.
2: What is that about? He is like a salada. He doesn't have any like redeeming (laughs) qualities in any way, shape or form. It's not fun to watch.
1: What star sign do you think that he is? Idiot. I don't know.
2: know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: So he's, breaking savannah's heart in the most condescending way and he's yeah. like sweetheart sweetheart babe sweetie condescending is an awfully big word are you sure you know what that means
2: and also mm. he does like this tone policing thing where she's like kind of saying in a pretty rational way like hey i don't want to be a choice like blah 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 and he's like i can't talk to you when you're angry like this like <laughs> so right, bad
0: right and he's like, okay, I feel like you've got a bit of an attitude. You've got like an air about you yeah. and I'm not trying to fight you. Um, I think you and I yeah. have a lot of work to do on communication. It's like just the work. I want actually, I want to credit um, Helen in the Osh posting group for putting it perfectly. He's got just enough vocabulary to be really bad and dangerous. So which true. I think is true. Like he has learned how to be this manipulative uh, in, in like such an insidious way.
2: It right. me to think where he learned that too.
1: And the way that it manifests in this situation is that he says to Savannah, firstly, you're only 95% in this with me. And I'm like, bro, I'm only 95% of the way through filling out a restraining order on Savannah's behalf. You and know? also,
2: like, they've known each other for, like, what? three days two like, weeks who knows it's so weird like you're only 95 and also the fact that she was like he was putting it back on her yeah and it's like dude you just got off a date with another girl and you're telling her that you're like not yeah
1: yeah <laughs> uh, he says that she has somewhat of an attitude and I'm like bro do you know who else had somewhat of an attitude fucking mother Teresa I'm on a roll <laughs> you know and then Brandon blames Savannah for their issues with communication saying that he is the one who has had grace and patience while waiting for savannah to open up and it's like bro do you know who actually had grace and patience waiting for the savannah to open up moses or some shit do you know i don't remember the bible very well moses
2: was the um the uh dead the sea red sea sea. red sea i don't know dead sea (laughs) whatever (laughs)
1: So, Savannah is pretty great in this situation, all things considered. She says, I want to feel chosen, but I don't, and there's no clearer articulation of emotional intelligence that's been had on this show so totally. far. And then she says, I don't need you to be confused. I'm done. I'm not going to be a choice, Brandon. I deserve so much more. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Go off. Yeah. Um, so, uh... Brandon then chases after Savannah, saying that he wants to work things out before asking her if they could, quote, talk like adults. Stop it!
0: (laughs) I hate
2: you! Get out!
1: It might as well be the name of the fucking country album that he releases after this show is finished.
2: Totally. Oh
1: my god. Yeah. The like like victim blaming, like garbage record. Oh, it's so bad. Like, fuck
2: this guy, man.
1: Yeah, fuck him. He's Savannah <laughs> has had it up to here. She puts Brandon in his place, and he leaves. She leaves Brandon to end up with Julia. And the last thing that we have to address before we get to these performances is sort of this waterfall situation from all of this Brandon and Julia stuff, because it then has a pronounced effect on all the other people in the mansion. So two competitors leave, a new duo forms, and that leaves last week's standout performers, Ryan and Natasha, with a lot of questions. So they're sitting in the mansion talking to Brandon about memorizing lyrics, and Julia approaches, sits down.
2: Can I also say that his disdain for this song... Is really really (laughs) offensive. Him being like it actually like I'm probably looking way too deep into it, but to me, his disdain for a song like this by Pat Benatar, like speaks to me as like, oh, that's like girly pop music. Like I don't, I don't consume that. I don't, I don't know what that is. I've I heard this song in a hair salon, maybe. (laughs) Like that shut me off so much when he said that.
1: Yeah, um, the song is "We Belong" by Pat Benatar. That he's trying to learn and remember the lyrics too. it's a beautiful pop song
0: it's great i think you are mispronouncing her surname what is it i don't want to pull you up on this but i think it's pat bean Eater. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it's pat bean because it's the musical fruit i trialed that joke out on twitter and uh four people said i should make it on the podcast so thank you to everyone who follows uh, 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 Pod. <laughs> This one's for you. (laughs) The fifth vote was from me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So what happens here is that Julia sits down with Brandon, Ryan, and Natasha, and Natasha says, Julia, maybe you should put some earmuffs in. Julia then puts her digits inside her ear holes.
0: She goes one finger in each ear. And and it's not like, I think you should leave the room. Like, (laughs) Natasha is so on her shit in terms of being the world's best fucking reality TV character. She knows exactly what she is doing. I love her so much. This is like a masterclass in, like, reality TV, like, shooting somebody else in the foot so that you can pull ahead of them. It is incredible. We all know that blocking your ears with one finger means you definitely 100% can't hear what somebody's saying, right?
2: But honestly, (laughs) I appreciate her because, like, at least she did it with Julia in the room. Right. Like, at least she can't, like, when, when the confrontation happens later on, at least, like, she can be like, hey, when you were here and we were talking... This is what happened. Yeah. Right. Not like, right. hey, I spoke to so and say in the bathroom and um, he said this. Like, it's it was clearly an event that happened.
0: Right. She was like, like hey, camera crew, come check exists. this out. I got a move. I want to pull. You're going to love it. Mm-hmm. And we're totally. going to bring it back mm-hmm. up again later at the perfect moment. It's so good. <laughs> I have so, fucking, so much respect for Natasha as a human being who knows that she is on this show. Like, it's like, um, it's like some some actors like I think like Vin Diesel I've made this comparison before he's like just a weird dude who like seems like he should not be able to act but he has such an incredible way of knowing what his movie star presence is and like the totally. angles from which he should be lit and the ways that he should like be shot that you just can't argue with him on, on any level.
2: And also she I saw her I went on her Instagram and she wants to be famous so bad. Yeah. So bad. <laughs> and I, she, I think respect she was it. in pageants yeah. when she was
0: a kid or something. I respect that. Or maybe the as, a, as a teen.
1: Yeah, I found out this week that she was a competitor on The Voice in Holland as well.
2: What? Yeah, really. And she's like multilingual. She speaks like three different languages or something. She's yeah. cool.
1: She's sick. I, and she's got all these like Latin covers um, that she's yeah. uploaded to Instagram. Natasha's great. Um, and so the way that this all plays out is that all manner of shit hits the fan. Because what happens next is that everyone is backstage on the day of the big performances and Natasha decides to tell Julia what Brandon has said about Julia basically being his fallback option and Julia feels stabbed in the back by this. But like literally she was in the room as we've said while the stabbing was happening You know, and and sure, real friends stab you in the front. But in this case, Natasha is not even the one holding the knife. Yeah. You know?
2: And also the crazy thing, too, that I had to watch this. The reason why I watched this episode, like, two times is because I missed when he admitted this. Yeah. Like, he literally Mm. just, like, nodded really quietly. So it's like she didn't even have to wear the earmuffs. Like, she could have just, like, (laughs) yeah, I don't know.
1: Right.
0: (laughs) Right, it's like Brandon could tell that the earmuffs thing wasn't working, but he was also like, "Well, I'm not gonna leave the room or anything like that. I'm still gonna admit <laughs> yeah. to it." Like he didn't think it through,
2: and also yeah. it, it's kind of crazy how like Natasha is the one who kind of gets blamed for this. Like that soundbite that we keep hearing before the commercial breaks of like Julia being like. I just can't believe that you would do this to another performer. <laughs> like I thought that was gonna be Brandon doing something shady, but she was talking about um what's her name? Natasha. Sorry, <laughs> Natasha <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right, right. She's she's even like, I don't even believe her. It's that vindictive, it's that like two faced and manipulative. It's like, um I I don't think you have a real reason to disbelieve her, especially because this all happened while you could definitely hear what was going on. Like,
1: right. Let's right. not
0: play around That's- here.
1: And this is like this age-old trope of um, Julia going out of her way to make Natasha the villain, the woman, confronting the other woman rather than confronting the man about what he definitely said right in front of her. Yeah. By the way, about just about Brandon, who gives that few fucks? What kind of person is like, do you know what? She's sitting right here with her fingers in her ears and what I'm going to tell you, I know it's being broadcast on TV. Fuck her.
2: Yeah, this guy's an asshole.
1: Yeah. He sucks. So the confrontation basically hedges on the word definitively. Julia Mm -hmm. says to Brandon that Natasha told her that Brandon would definitely have chosen Savannah instead of her if the option was available. And Brandon was like, well, I wouldn't say definitively. As if that was what was important. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, he's like, so desperate really... to like hedge
0: his bets and not quite commit to any perspective or any of these women or whatever. He's like, well, oh, kind of. I'm just trying to float by without actually, you know. He's just leading everybody on. It's terrible.
2: I also, I also don't understand how this guy thinks that the television is not going to edit him as like the <laughs> worst guy ever. Right. Like, this is, like, the confidence I envy in a way because Mm -hmm. it's really quite incredible.
1: Right, right. Like, it's um, confidence bordering on stupidity, but it is confidence um, nonetheless. And, you know, if Australian music has taught us anything over the past three years, it's that it's all about confidence, baby. (laughs) Oh,
2: (laughs) Oh, man. Come on.
1: (laughs) And so Brandon is very much in this situation trying to have his cake and eat it too. Even though the cake that he's trying to have has left the mansion and the cake that he's eating is now made of toxic bile. And he's <laughs> like, this fucker is sitting there with a fork and a bib just being like, yes, please. <laughs> bit of both. Thanks. And then totally gaslighting Julia when she says that she feels uncomfortable. He literally holds her face like a hypnotist and says, everything went great today. Everything went great today. Hmm. Who
2: is this man?
1: <laughs> this <laughs> guy is
2: unbelievable. Also, like definitively to like go back to like the definition of like what definitively actually means. <laughs> it's hard because he didn't say anything, but the thing to me, the <laughs> fact that he didn't say anything makes it even more definitive, Mm -hmm. that he would have gone with Savannah because of the fact that Julia was wearing finger earmuffs, (laughs) which means that if he had said yes, he would have heard her and he did not want that. So instead of saying yes, Mm. he nodded yes, which means that he got to avoid that conflict with Julia right then and there in the room, if that makes sense. Right. Which makes me think... They should have asked
0: her to put on eye muffs.
2: well, Well, he should have just been like... Well, who knows what he should have actually done? He should have rewound about two weeks earlier and like not (laughs) entered the mansion. But like, yeah,
0: tore up his application to be on the show, maybe.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) So finally, now it is time for the performances. So our judges this week are Rachel and Brian, Bachelor alum, as well as Andy Grammer and Miss Tony Braxton.
0: I want to talk briefly about season thirteen's Bachelorette, Rachel Lindsay. Um, who I thought was really good. I thought her season was great. She was the Bachelorette after JoJo, who was on last week's episode. Not everyone in the Bachelor universe is famous enough to be hosting an upcoming reality show based around fit couples looking to be declared, quote, swole mates, right? Like, not everyone gets that privilege. But okay. a quick deep dive on Rachel Lindsay shows that she recently hosted an MTV reality show called Ghosted Love Gone Missing, where she assists... Wait, Really?
1: yeah i've watched all of it
0: i thought it was fake (laughs) it sounds like a fake show
1: (laughs) no i've watched all of it it's um uh, rachel Lindsay and travis something or other and the vibe is that they go and find people who have been ghosted and then they make them have a confrontation in a room that is completely white and then they have to decide if they want to make up (laughs) or ghost
2: that oh sounds God. awful <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is it is absolutely awful and like the um it the the best one is this episode that it boils down to um that one woman ditched the other woman because she voted for trump
2: fuck yeah oh. go off it was yeah, the best <laughs> totally yeah
1: yeah uh anyway it's um it's a terrible Wait, show tell but me they definitely don't watch reconcile
0: their differences
1: No, they reconcile their differences. They absolutely do. Oh, that
0: sucks.
1: Damn it. (laughs) Wait,
2: that's bad.
1: (laughs) It's not great. (laughs) Bummer. Um, Andy Grammer, what do we know about him?
2: He doesn't look like what I thought he looked like.
1: Me neither. No. Yeah, I don't
0: think I (laughs) knew what he would look like, but it wasn't that. That's all I know about Andy Grammer. I had a feeling he looked like something else. I don't know any of his music. I don't know the guy. Is he maybe in like an iPod commercial or something? Is he like one of those types of guys?
2: Possibly. I can't remember. I feel when like did he didn't start an, existing. Like, I reckon he was a 2010. Yeah. Between 2009 and 2012 like indie guy that's the vibe that i get from him yeah
1: i think so and he had a couple of songs that were kind of like um keyboard pop rap stuff and it was in a lot of um it was very playlistable at the start of the decade Mm.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm yeah
1: and so the other judge for this episode is miss tony braxton which is a huge get for this show
2: queen she is such a queen
1: She's so
0: good for it as well. Like she's so in tune with what they're looking for on the show. And she brings so much energy to this judge role. I think it's awesome.
2: And she was really invested too. Like she was really there, which is cool. You don't often see that with like these celebrity guest judges when they're really invested in their role as a judge.
1: hundred percent. And especially when they're rolling them in week after week. And it's not like you get to know the characters for weeks on end. It's more like okay, cool, we're going to do another performance and here's six people you've never met.
2: And also mm. kudos to her because kudos to all of the guest judges because this, the concept of this show is so confusing. Oh, it's insane. <laughs> of like <laughs> yeah. what they're actually judging yep. is so bewildering. I don't think I would have been able to get, I didn't get it until like the third episode. I was like, for wait, real? what? For the whole time. I would time. love to have been
0: briefed the same way that like, I don't know, somebody like Kesha was or whatever. Like yeah, for totally. them to explain it to us as well as they probably had to do for them.
1: <laughs> Like I just I don't think that the show even knew at this point, right?
2: Oh no, they did yeah. not know. <laughs> they had no idea. There were like, There's we'll no performances in the first yeah. two episodes. Like <laughs> why? <laughs> why not? There's like rose cemer- ceremonies in the first two episodes. I was like, is that going to keep happening? And then yeah. they're like, Yeah. Nah. Mm. Performances Linde. now.
1: Linde. So weird. So we kick off with Rudy and Matt performing Chris Stapleton's beautiful song Tennessee Whiskey. I love this song, yes. by the way.
2: Mm. Yeah, it's so good brandy
0: Great song I thought this was really
1: good. Yeah, yeah. I think that the good thing about this song is that it allows good singers to kind of take it over and take on a life of their own within it. It's like um, I Shall Be Released or "Knocking on Heaven's Door, like beautiful, Mm. soulful kind of pop songs that allow great singers to shine. And also I think critically gives like medium singers somewhere comfortable to kind of hide as well
2: a hundred percent the only thing that i kind of was thinking about with these performances that kind of bums me out a little bit is the fact that the guy is always playing a guitar if anyone in the couple is playing another instrument apart from singing it's always the guy and that kind of was just like either annoying casting like they just casted women who could just sing and like not do anything else or like even more ominously like not letting them do anything else or something right Mm -hmm. um but yeah, and I also think it gives them a crutch, whereas the women don't have that crutch. And I think that's an advantage.
1: That's true. I will say, though, that uh, have you watched any of these men try to move without their instruments?
2: But that's what I mean. It's like, how come they're allowed to get to hold their instruments yeah, guess and not true. have to dance? Mm. And also, mm. I mean, we'll get to it in a second, but like with Julia and Brandon... The fact that he was holding his guitar, I would love to watch that performance without the guitar and see what would have happened. Right, right. Yeah, uh, you,
1: yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. It's my male gaze being like, well, no, but they can't, so they shouldn't.
2: <laughs> no, Ooh. I mean, it's 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 okay. I, <laughs> I forgive you. <laughs> um,
0: I think the thing that stood out to me about this performance was I think that they have really found a good balance between their like levels of talent. I think Rudy could probably sing laps around Matt if she wanted to. But yeah, they've, sure. they've really like through actually working on it, like worked out how to blend with each other and also how to blend with the band really well. Um, totally. Also, I want to point out the real star of this performance. And honestly, maybe the real star of this whole episode is these incredible sequin pants that Rudy is wearing. <laughs> she They're looks
2: so good.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Couldn't take my eyes off it.
1: Jamie and Trevor are next off the block. They're singing Love You Like I'm Gonna Lose You. I think got a beautiful song choice again. Um, on the whole I would say they nailed the song choices this week.
0: You me close. Split second you disappeared. I was all alone. With you by no one so I'm love you. Like I'm
1: so finally love some you. harmonies from Trevor. Zave, I didn't think that uh, we thought that he was capable of this up until this point, but uh, yeah. he can do them.
0: Um, yeah, I think like we we kind of don't hear that much of this performance because the narrative is like interrupting them. Like a lot of people are just kind of saying you can tell how nervous they are. Um, Mm. I do think the tempo is a little bit off. Maybe the key's a little bit off. Um, I think the band is like trying to accommodate for it and it just all kind of feels a little clunky. Um, And I think the thing, my major takeaway from this is um, Trevor is most experienced as like a solo singer songwriter um mm-hmm. so he's not really used to like collaborating or following a band or any of those types of things and obviously jamie is like trying her best but she's not really used to performing at all um so you know this is the one that the the judges critique the most harshly i think and, and it's kind of you can see where it's coming from for sure
2: jamie's very much a little like and i don't mean this in a condescending or or particularly bad way, but she is, like, a little baby. She's only 21. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the thing about 21-year-olds, like, I was kind of writing some notes today about a 21-year-old contestant on Drag Race. Mm. And I kind of was thinking, like, back to when I was 21, I was really afraid of making mistakes yeah. and the mm. consequences of those mistakes. Whereas now when I'm a little bit older... I'm not afraid of making mistakes because every time I've made a mistake in the past, I've always learned something from it. And Mm. I think that the fact that Jamie is so worked up after this performance, like before and after this performance, Mm. she's Mm. just like so highly strung. It really says to me how much growing she has to do as a person and as a performer if she wants to continue pursuing this because... Without being, like, nasty, like, she's going to have to grow up a little bit because Mm. you can't be crying like that before and after every performance.
1: And what we see is raw talent, I I think, to begin with, because she is a good singer. We know she went to Berkeley and studied there. Um, I think the thing might also be that there's some, like, self-esteem stuff going on. You know, we hear the judges critique and she's blaming herself a lot. She's panicking. She's crying. I really felt for her.
2: Yeah. me too because you everyone remembers what it's like to be that age and potentially have been like a pretty gifted child and you've kind of graduated university and you might have done really well and then all of a sudden you're in the real world and there's a lot of gifted people around mm-hmm. and you're receiving critiques for the first time in your life and you're like, you don't know what to do with them. And it's like feels like the end of the world because someone's telling you that you have not done the best job.
0: I will say, This, just in terms of like a reality show narrative and, and who the audience is, which is like some people who are musically inclined or whatever, but also largely people who aren't, I think the, the digestibility, that's gotta be a word, right? The, the, like the purity of this narrative, the like simplicity of it will carry them through. I think like they, they would not be focusing this much on it if they were just about to boot her out. I think it will be like, she will be battling with these internal demons until the last
1: episode. That is my guess. Totally. Chris and Brie are getting married. They are given the Taylor Swift yeah. song, Lover, to sing.
0: Speaking <laughs> of definitely making it to the
1: last episode. <laughs> oh, I hope
2: forever they do. Yeah, me too. My, my, yeah. My, 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 my,
0: lover. Ladies and gentlemen, will you With every guitar string star. on I take
1: this magnetic force of a man to be my lover. My heart's been borrowed and yours has been moved. All's well to end well to end up with you. I do forever, I'll always be true to my. To be honest, like their performance is... uh a bit ancillary to all the Jamie drama that is ongoing backstage through most of their performance, which I think is unfair because they're arguably two of the most skilled performers. Mm.
2: I was looking at the comments on the listen to your heart Instagram. Oh yeah. And All the comments, a lot of the comments were saying, this was my favorite performance. I'm really annoyed that you spent so much time on the drama so that I couldn't, like it was interrupted by the drama, stop interrupting this beautiful relationship with drama, blah, blah, blah. So it seems like everyone's on their side, which is cool.
1: Yeah. And I think that will be something that the show will be learning from as they, kind of as they go, because I believe that the mechanic of cutting away to someone Um, giving feedback on a performance, particularly while it's happening. I think that that really works. But cutting away to um, what like the narrative has moved on from Jamie and Trevor and going back to it, I think interrupts the flow of the show.
2: But I think the show is also struggling with the idea just like in paradise when people couple up and they're happy, it's really boring. Yeah. So people are like struggling. I think the producers are just like, okay, cool. So they've said that they love each other. Now what? Like, they're going to have to, like, get engaged because otherwise it's going to start getting really boring. So I'm a bit worried about them. I'm a bit scared that they're going to try and do something.
1: Yeah. And I feel like that is definitely coming.
0: I want to talk about a couple of things with this performance. Um, Firstly, not only is this editing thing, like, really doing them dirty, but I also think the arrangement is a little bit messy. There's, like, an upright Mm. bass, which has got the treble really cranked up, and it's, like just like really makes like garbage and makes me unhappy um i also think there's a little bit of an imbalance here and it's an interesting one i think you can read into a few things about their relationship here this song is a really great showcase for brie and i think chris it's really interesting to see this because this this is what his personality seems to be at least from what we're seeing is like he is playing the supporting role you know he he's taking harmonies he's like showcasing Bree's lead and then brie is like we're hearing her belt for the first time in this song which is like fucking killer she has a great belt um and then also the my maybe my favorite piece of musical like a musical choice uh that has happened throughout this whole series is that she kind of ad-libs one of Shawn Mendes's parts from his remix that he released in, uh to to lover which is like not the original album version or whatever but it's like this big shout out to like Swift. <laughs> And stuff if <laughs> it's just like cool like that genuinely shows more like passion for music and like expertise and uh entertaining sort of showmanship or whatever than so many of these other performances which just feel like they're kind of trying too hard
1: I don't
2: I don't Well, I think Bree's like obviously a Swifty. The mm. the most uh, potentially one of the most comical moments on this show was when they got their song assignment of Lover and Bree's like <laughs> And Chris was kind of like, yeah. I Chris is like what. okay. Sure.
0: <laughs> mm. okay. <laughs> I've enjoyed a couple of her songs. <laughs>
1: I think Chris got his showcase uh, last week with the Leon Bridges song for me he was the standout performer uh, in that one maybe you're right but Mm -hmm. yeah I thought that this was uh, a lovely testament to them working together we also get our first I love you of the series on stage at the end of their performance Uh, Brie describes it in Confessional as the most amazing moment of her entire life and Danny who is watching this with me and sitting in the bed in her pajamas in the middle of a pandemic having not been you know, out into the quote unquote real world for like eight weeks is sitting there and she's like a mouthful of food, like this girl needs to get out more.
2: Now, can I just say something? And I want to be very delicate about this because I don't want to be judgmental of other people's, the way that people live their lives. Mm. So Bree's from Provo, right? Yep. Which is in Utah. Heart of Mm. Mormon country. Which means Mm. she would be a Mormon person. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys have covered this on the show yet or not. No. No. Okay. Um, And I think the thing about Mormon culture that I think is safe to say is that a lot of the marriages that happen within people, I mean, within that kind of community, happen um, relatively quickly and, like, you know... Uh, feelings get felt very hard and very quickly mm. Mm. and passionately and that's really really beautiful I've seen um, I don't know if you guys have seen this but I highly recommend pressing play um, there's a show on YouTube that was self produced called Provo's Most Eligible and, oh. it's, mm. and it's a version of The Bachelor for people from Provo so um, oh, more than interesting. practicing people yeah, it's very cool. It's very interesting to watch. It's actually quite enlightening because they all talk about their missions and things like that. Mm. Anyway, mm. the whole point of that the whole point of that tangent was the fact that I think that she feels things very hard, and I think a lot of her friends and family would have gotten married very young, and I mm. think that's probably just a big part of her life and something that she's really looking for after her failed engagement.
0: Um, I similarly, well, I I didn't know that about her. But just the way that this moment sort of breaks down is that she says, I love you quietly to uh, Chris and you don't hear it. And then Chris Harrison, who is standing next to them about to introduce the next act, is like, hey, I am a producer of this series. I'm the host and I'm very invested in it. I would like you to say that into the microphone so all the TV cameras can hear it and that kind of thing. And so you get the first I love you and it is sweet. And you kind of like, you kind of believe it. Like if anyone is feeling anything close to love for each other at this point in the competition, it is these guys. But it's like kind of milked out of them for the cameras. Um, Yeah, totally. and, 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 And you can just feel the like cynical sort of like, you know, people who work in reality TV will want to cast people who maybe are quicker to say things like, I love you and think about marriage and that kind of thing, because it works incredibly well for their narrative of a show that's filmed over a very short period of time.
2: But that's the kind of sad and maybe a little bit ominous thing too, because Chris is vulnerable. Like he's Mm. super emotionally vulnerable. Like he has a little confessional to camera where he talks about losing his dad and how he wishes his dad was still around Mm. to meet Bree. And it's so beautiful to watch in a way because I do believe that these people are genuine. But at the same time, it's scary because you see these two people who are putting everything on the line and you kind of get a bit nervous about the ways that the show could screw them over at this point. Well, that's mm.
1: interesting. And I wonder if that is why some of the casting on the US series that I've watched have felt a little bit foreign. Like you sort of see these people really... M- in. It plays out to me like people hamming it out for the camera, but if you're bringing people's cultural backgrounds into it, um, religious experiences, what have you, that are not things really uh, to the same extent here in Australia that they are in the US. Totally. I think that explains a lot of what I see as um, foreign or different or um, ham-fisted. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Um, Speaking of ham-fisted, next... Brandon and Julia singing the song We Belong by Pat Benatar. Well,
0: cut my feelings to the bone Don't want to leave you really I've invested too much time To give you up that easy To the doubts that complicate your mind We belong to the light We belong to the thunder
1: She said it was a curveball
2: Yeah, I just thought that um, This song choice The other song choices were pretty modern Like um, Mm. easily transferable Into duet mode Mm. Um, This one a little bit less so And I think that it Is just a—I just thought it was a real strange choice It kind of felt like it was coming out of nowhere
1: Mm. The same thing with their Cheap Trick song Last week though Like Everyone else got a real modern song Mm. And then Brandon got the Um, the song from the 80s, and I wonder if um, he has a a predilection for, like, he was, like, nominate a time period, and he was like, oh, all the best songs are from the 1980s. I I don't know how this works.
2: I mean, Mm. true, but also he didn't even know this song. That's true.
1: Yeah, he was not (laughs) into it.
0: It, And it's, like, I don't know, I guess the the arrangement is being handed to them as well, but it's, like, another totally piss-weak, like, AM radio country pop, like, (laughs) arrangement of this originally, like, quite cool, like, synth-based song i think
2: pat bean is like massively
0: underrated um and then this one felt like you know a bit of it sounded like what happens if you eat too many beans (laughs) okay Uh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) rachel says it felt like a karaoke performance and tony braxton says it felt like they were having a fight because there was so much tension on stage
2: the vibe of being told like your performance felt like a karaoke performance is like heart wrenching. That would that's be rough. such a hard thing to hear.
1: Yep.
0: Especially like if you stand out from the other five people doing cover versions as the most karaoke like one, like that is harsh because that's
2: all For
1: that sure. they're doing, really. This is um, expert level Sing Star. Let's be real. <laughs>
2: You know, I got Singstar in um, Hooper Stanks The Reason when I was a kid. (gasps) Wow.
1: That's a powerful song.
2: I know. I reckon I I could still get Singstar if I tried it today.
0: (laughs) Not to brag, but I once won a t shirt from being good at Singstar. Did you really? Yep. It was a Gran Turismo 4 t shirt.
1: I don't know. I don't know why that happened. Let's let's dive further down this rabbit hole. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'll talk about this as long as I want. Uh, it was at the grand opening of the JB Hi-Fi outlet in Leichhardt. Uh, okay. And I oh had set God. up a, a brand new, I want to say PlayStation 2. Uh, and I thought, well, you know, I could try my hand at this. Side, I don't see why not. <laughs> don't remember what song I sang, but uh, yeah, I wore that shirt with pride until it, uh, until it faded out How could you not remember completely. what
2: song?
0: I don't know. I mean, I played a lot of Sing Star in my day. You know, I've won a lot of prizes. <laughs> uh,
2: I don't want to brag, but, uh, you know. Wow. I'm so impressed with that.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> it's my greatest accomplishment to date.
1: <laughs> my only relatable experience is that in the year 2006, um, the CD store that I worked at had organized for the band The Butterfly Effect to come in to Ooh. Ballina. Oh, my God. For... I did
2: their PR not long ago.
1: Oh, did you? There you go. Um. <laughs> yeah. um. The um, So it was for their... Imago album, and they were judging an air guitar competition. Wow. And so, all of these people showed up to meet the butterfly effect, and then the air guitar portion of the day started, and nobody did it. Oh. So, I had to do it.
0: Oh no! Oh, Max. Does that As mean you
1: the won? It's a loyal employee. Yeah, of course, I, I guess so. um And the prize was <laughs> oh. like, here's a system of a down CD, and I was like, I'll return it to the shelf.
2: Oh my God.
1: Because I already owned it, obviously. Yeah, of
2: course.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know what's crazy is that when you did that air guitar competition, it actually caused mm. a tornado on the other side of the country.
1: <laughs> oh, did it? Uh huh. Did it? Yeah, it Why, did What would you describe that as, Dave?
0: Oh, like a moth effect or something.
1: Okay, fair enough. Oh. Yeah, real, <laughs> um, yeah. Look, uh, I already owned. Toxicity by System of a Down, and we're gonna flash forward to some more toxicity here because, Ooh. oh boy, <laughs> Julia blaming Brandon for abandoning her on stage. We are a-branding. watching this woman abandoning. <laughs> we're watching her like just punch out every which way but inward uh, for uh, like for the duration of these four episodes. Um, yes,
2: but also this was in my books a fifty-fifty failure yeah
1: yeah Mm. you share equal credit to that uh hot mess
2: totally yeah Uh,
1: and sometimes relationships are like definitely more one-sided in the ways in which they go wrong this was like um this was two hurricanes coming together for sure Mm. yeah
0: all because a butterfly flapped its wings christ
1: Natasha and Ryan are here to perform You Are the Best Thing by Ray Lamontagne.
2: You don't even have to try.
0: surprised to me that they have saved this guy's till last again because they really know how to bring it like anything could have happened prior to this and the producers are just like look we've got a headliner up our sleeves like this thing's gonna be fine
1: so the interesting thing is right like if i if i'm looking at this with my tv producer hat on Um, Which I don't wear anymore, but I I still think like if you are to bring a live audience in and you want them to be engaged and participant and the same with these celebrity judges, right? If you want them to believe in this as a concept, you need to start real strong and you also need to finish real strong. The finishing real strong is for the TV. The starting real strong particularly is for the audience. And so you see the two best performances of the night and I would pick it going forwards as well. The first and the last performances that you see will be good Because they need that for the show to sustain momentum.
2: That's great insight. Mm -hmm. That's what I tune in for. (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) So the judges are out of their seats for this performance. Uh, We're seeing the producers absolutely bookend the show with the best performances. And Ryan and Natasha are really good.
0: They totally bring it. Ryan like grabs a guitar, they break away from the band, they walk out into the crowd, they share a mic right in front of the judges like look at us, we're a couple, okay? And like let me be clear, I don't sense any genuine romantic connection between these guys at all. Uh they have a couple of cute moments, no. but genuinely they're just like a good double act. Like they know how to perform. It's incredibly hard to argue with them uh as performers and as show people and and particularly also like, performing within this specific setting, both this concert and this reality show, like, both of them, like, know their strengths and know what they can offer as a group. Uh, and, like, even Chris Harrison seems blown away by it. And the judges are, like, fooled that this is love. And that's a real couple. and
1: all <laughs> of that. Xavi, are you ready to talk about Ryan's original music?
0: Oh, is that happening now? I thought we were going to do a whole episode
1: about it. Oh, I don't think... (laughs) I don't think I can sustain conversation about it for that long. I thought we were doing a whole
0: series about it. (laughs) Track by track breakdown.
1: What's his name? Ryan. Yeah, then his surname is something. He's got a surname. E.
0: I bet he does.
1: Who knows? Seems like a big um, surname guy. He does. He's a big surname guy. Anyway, he's got this um, five-track EP that he put out last year. And the... um, Again, we're not here to um shit on people as songwriters, so what I will say is that um Ryan is the archetypal uni jazz boy.
2: <gasps> no. Eilish,
1: um can you spell out for me what that represents to you now that I've just I've just given you those three words?
2: Well, it depends it depends what like extreme we're talking. Like, it depends what university we're talking. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily have... I associate with a lot of uni jazz boys. Yes. So, I don't necessarily have anything against uni jazz boys, Mm -hmm. to be honest. But I will say... The one thing I will say is that university jazz jazz boys really enjoy a jam. Yep. And Mm. I think that jams are the worst thing that's ever happened to music. (laughs) So... I mean take with that what you will.
1: I think that that is the um that's the precise right stream to to be taking with this because Ryan seems like a nice guy, can play the fuck out of his instrument. Yeah. He's a talented performer. It's just that uh he starts his songs with things like um let's get funky now.
2: Oh no. Yeah. You he know he's that. and that's fine.
1: Like this is this is the stream of of university where like someone goes this is Charlie Parker. Charlie Parker is good. This is yeah. what you like now. And that's I how will it manifests. Say,
2: I will say the unfortunate thing, I believe personally that you can teach songwriting to anybody. Agree, But I think that the unfortunate thing about most university jazz streams is that they actually don't spend time teaching people how to write songs. Mm-hmm. So it's not that they can't write songs. It's just that they haven't sat down and had the foundation in terms of like, here's yeah i mean there's that but then there's also like you can't teach taste so it's kind of it's hard Mm. to like yeah but and also this isn't the case for all university jazz boys i should say absolutely definitely not not. the case whatsoever i Um, just get the vibe from him that
0: he has been taught how to play from learning how to play specific songs rather than like the these are you know techniques or these are scales or modes or whatever like um it's kind of like this is what this person who is considered good does so you should do that too yeah and he's Hogging the music room, and I want to come in and play
2: drums. <laughs> I should say also that, like, I like a lot of objectively like badly written music. So I'm not here to judge anyone who likes a song that starts with Let's Get Funky Now. Mm-hmm. You go get funky. That's totally fine with me.
1: Yeah. L- I, I mean, uh, it is a um, uh, metaphor as much as it is, um, you know, it's speaking to a broader point than it is to um, speaking to the specifics of getting funky
2: now. <laughs> Uh, now, also what other he is <laughs> are getting fun- cutie patootie and it's hard <laughs> to argue cutie. with that he is he's, he's a huge so, cutie. he's so hot yeah that's yeah. all i have to say <laughs> mm.
1: mm-hmm. he is he's like i think ryan is great um i think that you're absolutely right in that songwriting is something that can be taught but often isn't because people look at chord charts and go oh but it, the song's got a minus seven flat five in it so why is it a bad song i don't understand that's
2: right yeah, yeah. totally mm.
1: Um, Okay, so uh, we now move forward to a bunch of drama backstage.
0: Yeah, there's this little confrontation between Julia and Natasha in front of the rest of the cast, which is just really well placed, I think. Um, Both parties are completely convinced of each other's cluelessness. It's all kind of escalated to this point. There's also a choice little soundbite from Brandon who says that this has been, quote, the most traumatic 72 hours since combat.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs>
2: <sighs> I can't believe this guy. <laughs> I love it, though, because like,
0: oh, I don't know if I could keep this part in the podcast, but like he has talked about how he fought in Iraq and Afghanistan and he found mm. that traumatic. He has also found this situation where he has been the aggressor uh, to be completely traumatic in the same way. It's just interesting. It's just interesting choices.
2: Yeah. yeah. So the way
1: that it manifests is that Julia calls Natasha dirty and slimy and vindictive. And Julia's fighting style is particularly fucked, I think. Like, uh, it's it's weird to watch it play out uh, in a fight with uh, both Brandon and another woman in Natasha. Her strategy is basically run the other person over where she gets given an inch and she just like mm-hmm. takes it and runs a mile and there is no conversation. And it is like this one-sided badgering attempt at domination. I don't know. Sure. It's it's such a strange um, way to fight. And I wonder what, um, I wonder how learned that behavior is.
2: I also think that what I said about Jamie potentially when she, like how young she is and how much she has to learn, I think you can also see that with Julia versus um Natasha here because Natasha's yeah. like what 34 or yeah. something like that. She's just a lot more like cool calm and collected even in the face of this ridiculous drama essentially.
1: Right. And what's amazing about that is that Julia is just going and going and going and going and like um On the other side of things, Natasha's got the like Muhammad Ali, George Foreman strategy of just like absorbing all the punches. And then she just delivers this one knockout where she says, Julia, it's not about you. And I'm not sure if one person on this planet has needed to hear a single sentence more in their entire lives.
2: Yeah, I kind of thought she could have potentially said something a little bit different than that, Mm -hmm. that would have potentially caught julia off guard a little bit more because i think that that just bounced off julia like it just was like you're like i don't believe anything that she says to me because she's slimy and she's this and she's that i wonder if she could have said something more like hey why are you angry at me you should be angry at this idiot yeah you know you you would
0: like to see that being brought up at some point yeah because i don't think she has gotten a chance to learn that from this experience
1: uh, yeah, I guess the thing with verbal combat is that for something to be considered a, a knockout blow, the other person needs to be receptive to it and listening to it rather than dismissive of it.
2: Well, not necessarily. If you're in a group of, like, if you're having this verbal combat in the in a room with a group of people, mm. um, I mean, obviously the reaction of those people in the room with you is going to determine what, uh, who kind of won that argument.
1: Right, because there's I- a peanut I- gallery.
2: Exactly. And also she just like got up and walked away after that. So I would say then that like Natasha won quote unquote that argument because Julia ding, just ding. kind of walked away. Mm. Yeah.
1: So now it is uh, rose ceremony time. We talked about um, having cake and eating it too before. Now I'd like to offer you some just desserts. It is Brandon <laughs> and Julia who are sent home with Julia blaming Natasha and Brandon all the way out the door. We get this, Mm. like, great confessional from her where she's like, I told Brandon to check in with me and he didn't. And then she says, truth be told, he treated it like a solo performance. I wish I could go back and choose Sheridan. And do you know who wishes that you could go back and choose Sheridan? Not Sheridan.
2: Yeah, that was rough. Because, Mm -hmm. like, she didn't like Sheridan in that way.
0: Right, right. She was not interested in him. She's just, like, trying to rewrite her own narrative and her own feelings about it.
2: And that's what sucks, because it's just, like, you don't wish that you chose Sheridan. You wish that you had found someone that you actually had a connection with, and you should have said that instead.
1: Right, Yeah, 100%. Who treated you um, in the way that Sheridan was trying to make you feel, even though you didn't feel anything. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And it's, like, when you look at the cast of this show from the beginning there are like 20 people tops so it's not unreasonable to think that maybe she just wasn't right for any of them and instead of kind of getting caught between a couple of them uh maybe she should have because chris harrison gave her a really golden opportunity earlier in the show to be like if you're not in a proper couple if you're not really set on someone and you really know that it's going to work like this is your guilt-free chance to like self-eliminate And she didn't take that chance and made things worse for herself. I I don't want to blame her for what happened, but like, there would be absolutely no faulting her for just kind of going like, hey, look, this is not my bag. Like, you know.
1: But like, as if these people aren't vapid enough to self like the only person who self-eliminated was Gabe. And the rest of them are here to pursue fame, first and foremost.
2: Yeah. They're there to get famous. They're there to be famous singers. They're they're there to go on tour. They're not there to find love. And I think that's why I love this show so much. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well,
0: next week, the final four couples hit the road. They're going to be playing in Vegas uh, for some reason. Like, to an audience who haven't seen the previous episodes. So, I don't know what their investment is.
1: (laughs) Uh, It's great. I can't wait.
0: Totally. Sure. And when you're in Vegas... And you're a couple who've been dating for three weeks or so, you've
1: oh my god. probably
0: better off to get married, right? Or at least Oh my god. This is so we see this little tease of like a wedding chapel and they're gonna visit the chapel and like maybe they're gonna play music for a couple that's getting married. Maybe they're like witnesses at a wedding, like in uh, uh, Melvin and Howard. Uh or maybe they're just gonna get married. You know? Maybe they just get married.
2: The amount of like conversations and confrontations that Hap- that occur drunkenly on this show in general but on this particular <laughs> series too is concerning to me in terms of going to vegas and being <laughs> nah. in the vicinity of a wedding chapel that's mm. scary
0: <laughs> it's true it's not like there's a duty of care here that
2: everyone is really <laughs> ignoring
1: wow do you think that uh the words duty of care are written into any contracts on this show no sir <laughs> no thank you maybe due to what carelessness
0: like if you count that
1: <laughs> hey uh we're uh an hour and 20 into the record and you just found the episode title <laughs> <laughs> <I'm glad>. <laughs> <laughs> all right hey uh that is gonna just about do it for another episode of the bachelor of hearts podcast eilish thank you so much for joining us
2: Thank you so much for having me. It was so, so fun. And thank you for letting me use your login so I could watch the show. Oh, of
1: course. Um, so, uh, how can, how can people uh, engage with you at the moment? I know you're on Twitch.
2: Yes, I'm on Twitch now, which has been like super, super fun. Um, you can just go to my Instagram page, which is Eilish Gilligan, um, and the link will be in my bio. I'm about to change the URL, so I'm not going to tell you what it is. Just go follow that link in my bio on Insta and you will find my Twitch channel. I go live twice a week and you can talk to me and we can hang out and it'll be fun.
1: Songs on Spotify, Barbara Ploys in uh, uh where? Uh, podcast apps.
2: Everywhere. All the podcasts. Yeah. Wherever this one is being listened to right now, you can just type in Barbara Ploys into the search bar and you will find... My voice for even longer. <laughs> I can't recommend yeah, uh,
1: it enough. Not like the rival <laughs> podcast that Zayv and I are going to launch, which is called um, G'day Shazza. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's a reference to nothing. And, uh, we like it <laughs>
2: is that the one where you're going to recap... Trevor's music or what's his name? Is this, not Trevor, <laughs> Ryan. Ryan. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, what we're going to yeah. do is recap episodes of your podcast.
2: Oh my God.
0: It's <laughs> oh, a fucking good idea. Ooh, and they're be twice time, as long. <laughs> uh, thanks again,
2: Eilish. Thank you so much, you guys. Max, we actually did come here to make friends and
0: thankfully uh, we're already friends with Eilish so I can't really make a joke about it
1: um look uh, another friend of the books yeah well yeah
0: i mean she's like chapter one of the books essentially uh she's like the forward she's the person to whom the uh books are um made out i guess or something i don't know she was a real preface, is what i'm trying to say she ri- there you go there you go thank you uh i um uh, so we came here to make friends like i said um mm-hmm. So if you want to make friends with us, please stop by the Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting group on Facebook. Um, There was a live watch this week. Uh, I did not get to participate, but I read through all of the (laughs) stuff afterwards and it was very good. Um, I would recommend everyone join next time. I think I'm going to try and do the live watch. Um, So look out for a post in there on how to sync up with us. Um, And then also track us down on Twitter and Instagram at bohpod. Um, you can find Maxie at Max Quinn. You can find me at Xavier, our, 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 you can't do that. Um, I also have a Twitch. Um, it's in my left leg and, uh, I <laughs> go to the doctor about it. Uh,
1: <laughs> 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 were you <laughs> waiting else? to make that joke? It's really good.
0: Yeah, I thought I'd make it when I was here, but it's fine. Ah, <laughs> uh,
1: well, look, you live your life.
0: Uh, yeah. Um well. And, you know, we'll, we'll have another episode next week I'm looking forward to it This show's so good <laughs> can't believe it's it It's so
1: much fun
0: Everyone I'm that we tell it. about this show at first is like Hmm, I don't know, do I have to get into this? And then they start watching it And ten minutes later they're like I cannot believe this show exists It is the most bonkers, crazy, incredible Just, I mean, you know Truly And the TV show is pretty stuff. good too I was talking about yeah. that podcast
1: <laughs> 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 All right, <laughs> listeners, that's it for another week. We love you. <laughs> we love Goodbye. You. Goodbye. Love you. Running out of time, making most of what's
0: before me, searching for a sign.